um, Disc maybe is another one. Uh, but there's a new one that kind of came out of maybe a few years ago called the Enneagram. Are, is anyone, are you guys familiar with the Enneagram? Some of you have this vague – it's based on like nine different types of people. And, and in general, these personality tests, uh, whether it's DISC, Myers-Briggs, um, or the Enneagram, tell kind of like generalize people into groups of who really God made them to be. And, and, and they are generalizations, but, but I in the Enneagram are, is an eight, and that has some great things to it and some obviously some challenges to it. And, and I don't, initially I didn't think I was an eight because I don't, but somehow I ended up there. And uh, one part of the eight is in the lack of leadership, an eight will lead. I'll give you a for instance. So we were here uh, um, celebrating uh, the new year, and uh, someone and, and I were, and a few other people were going up to talk to someone that not parked in our driveway. We don't know why they were parked there. And so going out, I said, why don't you do the talking since you're on that side of the car? And so we drove up, put the window down, and I thought I heard silence. I'm pretty sure I heard silence. So, so it was like 0.3 seconds silence. I'm like, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. And so I start talking. And then on the way back down, he's like, why didn't you let me talk? Because you were slow. You, you didn't do it. So an eight steps in. If you're not going to lead, I'll lead, you know. Um, the other part about an eight, I believe, is that we're, uh, maybe it's me. I'm a bottom line person, all right. I, I just cut through all the other stuff and just tell me bottom line. Let me show you how this, how this may play out. My kids sometimes have things that they want or need. And generally, and this is probably a smart thing on their end, they'll go to their mother because their mother's a lot more compassionate than I am. And so, but if they're going to ask me or their, her, their, their mom tells them to ask me, they will frame it. Oh, dad, you're looking so good this morning. Your hair is looking a lot fuller than it's ever been. <laughs> and right there, I'm like, that, you, you, you know, my head turns and I'm like, what, well, you know the question, what do you want? And they have to frame it some more. Oh, oh, you're a great dad, and I appreciate the way you support me and, and the way you go to all my games and the way you drive me from here to there. Just tell me what you want. And they keep going. And, and you know, there's a lot happening at school, and we're, 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 I have some friends going here. Tell me what you want. And they go on and on and on. And I'm just like, let's cut through all the other stuff. Just tell me what your ask is. I mean, let me change it a little bit. Um, if you worked in a church or you maybe you have had this experience maybe outside of this but a lot of times people will come to church for help which makes sense because the church should be part of the community as john was saying and so we get calls um about needs fairly often uh, you know i have people stop in and and so you know almost every time i and again, understand, my, my com- I have some compassion. I pray for compassion. But there's times I just want to get to the bottom line. What do you need? And so I hear the story of everything that's happened from when they were four years old till now they're 42 and why their NYSEG bill was turned off that day without warning or notice. And, and I'm like, just tell me what you want. Just, just tell me. Please, let's, 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 let's get to the bottom line. Or, or maybe this is the way someone asked to sit down with you. And you know this meeting, maybe it's your boss, you know, like, hey, let's have a talk. We, we, need, we haven't met in a while. It's, you know that something's there, and, and it's like over lunch, someplace out, and you're like, in your mind, you may not ask this, but, but in my mind, I'm like, what do you want? What, what is this? Just get to the, get to the baseline. Get to the, the bottom line. And I don't know if that's you, but that's me. Just, just tell me what you want. And so this series is really flowing from the last two or three series that we've done. And, and if you're here for the first time or missed the last two or three series, that's fine because I think you can catch up a little bit. But the last two or three series that we've done is really l- 
talking about the story of God and who he reveals himself to be. Because part, this book kind of describes who he is. His goodness, we sang about that. His love, his, his hesed is how we, we described it in the Hebrew word. His uh, sovereignty, that he's over it all. The, his, 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 the way he's, that he's the prince of peace and the mighty God and he's a savior. He's our Messiah. Um, his, I mean, on and on, this description of God. And then uh, at the base of that, as we're flowing through our view of who God is, the question that comes to my mind is, all right, God, what do you want from me? Isn't that a, I think it's a valid question. I, th- I think it's a question that a lot of people are asking. All right, God, if you say, who, I, I get that you're trying to describe yourself to me. What do you want from me? And so there, there are different views, but I want to I lean into what, what I believe the Bible says is that what God wants from us. But some people believe that it's kind of like um, high school where uh, you kind of, and they're heading this direction right now, is, is heading toward regents, right? These tests, like, just answer the right questions. That's all, the teacher, that's all they want, right? Some of the teachers, just answer, just get a nine, 80 or 90 on regents and everyone's happy. That, that, that's, the, that's, and some people think that the church is like that, that God's like that. As, like, as long as you know who I am, I'm good. But I don't, I don't think that's really what God wants. Some people think, as long God wants me to be a good person. God, God wants me to, to be a good enough person and to, to do good things for people. And, and the word that we throw around in that is God wants us to love one another, right? That, that's, and there, there's truth there. I mean, God, God does want us to love people. But, but at, the, at the heart of what God desires from us is not to be a good person. It's, it's not to, because... Because the truth of the matter is, let me let you in a little secret, we're not. No matter how hard we try, we're not. We're not good people. We, we, we have some pieces that look good. We, we look, make ourselves look good. But in, in the reality, if you really stripped us down, all of us in here, there's no one good but God is what, is what Jesus said. So what is it that he strips, us, strips it down to? And it's this word, I think you'll see it on the screen, it's this word called faith. This, this word called, we're calling it extraordinary faith, but this, throughout, from Genesis to Revelation, the one thing God is consistently asking people to do is this word called faith. Now, we, we're going to have to define that because we don't use that word a lot. And when we do, I believe we water it down. F- faith is this hoping in, maybe they exist, maybe they don't. This, this little, I, I have faith in the tooth fairy kind of faith. And, and faith is a lot deeper than that. Let me read um, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It'll be on the screen, I believe. This is, it's always nice when the scripture defines a word for us. All right, So you can underline this one. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Do we have it up there? Now faith, you want to click one more? Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. All right, this, this is what the definition is, right? He's like, all right, let me just tell you straight out. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Like, we, we, we have this hope. We have this, like, desire. We, we, we have this picture of what is. And we, we have confidence in that picture that God has painted for us. And assurance, or, or even, going back to confidence, about what we do not see. We can't see it, but we believe it's going to happen. I'm just going to tell you, we, we live with faith every day. This, I was thinking this morning about all the ways that faith has, has um, been part of our life. You, well, some of you set your alarm. 
You had faith in your alarm. You had confidence that you would put the, the time on your watch or your phone and it would beep or have a song or something at the time that you set it for. There is faith in that watch. There is faith in that phone. There's a faith. Some of you even use alarm clocks. Um, you have faith in it. And some of you, have you ever had the time where your, your alarm clock failed? You're like, man, I thought I could trust that thing. You know, so, so we started with the alarm clock. Then we get up and we go to, well, I go to my shower, you know, and I have faith. When I turn that, I have confidence. I have assurance or I believe that when I turn the hot water on, hot water will come out. That, that I'm, I'm, living by, I'm, I'm, I'm living in faith. I'm living in trust. I'm living in this. this I believe that this will happen because it's, it's happened that way. Every once in a while, though, guess what happens? You turn the water on, there's no hot water. You have a problem. I get, I get in the shower, you know, wash my hair. I, I get out, put a towel on, and, and, and then I, I brush my teeth, you know, and I, I have a faith that no one else uses my toothbrush or that I'm not using someone else's toothbrush. You know, I, I, have, I have faith that the milk is not watered down. It's real milk. I have faith that it's not sour. I have, I have confidence that when I get out to the car that the car will start. I have confidence that the brakes, even more important, the brakes will work. I have confidence driving in. I have confidence when I sit down in a chair. We, we are living, in, we, we live confidently all the time, but somehow when we, we start living or picturing faith when it comes to God, we wishy-washy it. I kind of have assurance. I, I, faith is, in basic terms, is our response to who God is. It's our confident response to who God, God is. That can take all sorts of different ways. And you can read it in Hebrews 11, all these different ways that people responded to God. They're like, God is good, therefore I will do this. Faith is a therefore principle. Because of who he is, therefore I trust him, and I'm going to step. That's right. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter um, 7. We'll be talking about this idea of faith and different um, stories of faith in Scripture. And we're going to be in Luke 7, verses one through 10. And this is what, I'm going I'm to jump around, and I've done this a few times with you. I'm going I'm to do the beginning and the end and then the middle, all right? So beginning, end, then middle. So you, you know how it's going to end before we actually talk about the whole story. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this, this is, um, the, he just did the Sermon on the Mount, all right? He just did this, this little message of of build on the wise foundation, basically the message from last week, building on, the, on Jesus Christ, a sure foundation. He finishes that message to the people who were listening, <clears throat> and he entered Capernaum. There a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. All right, so a centurion is a soldier, a professional soldier for the Roman Empire. And the centurion is a ruler of about 80 to 100 people. You know, that, he, has, he has people underneath him. He's, he's just not a soldier. He's a soldier with authority. And so he, he is actually in charge of keeping the peace in this little district, Capernaum. And so as you picture what a soldier is, especially a centurion, as he's climbed the ladder, or as he's gotten promotion after promotion, he is good what, at what he does. He knows what authority is. He is probably been in battle a few times because if you're in a centurion role you have experience in in war and in control of chaos and riots and so he is some and if you were a jewish person 
and this is written through the eyes of a Jewish person, the centurions and the Roman Empire really were the, empire, were the enemy. And so when they were saying the kingdom of God is coming, you know, when Jesus said that, a lot of people heard, oh, Jesus is coming to end the Roman Empire. That's not what he came to do, but that's what they thought he came to do. Because that was, their, that, that was who was enslaving them. That was, that was who was stealing from them, their taxes. That, that was the one, th- those were the people who were, you would kind of walk down the road. If you saw a centurion or a soldier, you'd walk down the other side of the street because you didn't want to have contact with them. You, you, didn't, you didn't want them to take something from you because they had, they had the right to do whatever they wanted to do to the people that they were, were kind of um, controlling. If they, wa- if they wanted your jacket, oh, I like your jacket, give it to me. If they liked your shoes, if they liked your sandals, if they didn't like you, there was no justice involved. There was just a centurion and his troops in control. And that's, that's all the Roman Empire told them to do. Keep control, keep control, keep control. Do it by any means necessary. So that all the Israelites were like, they hated the Roman Empire and they, they, they pretty much did not like these centurions in their land telling them what to do but the centurion had someone in his house who the bible says he valued highly but was sick and about to die and another um, section of matthew same story is being told he's paralyzed maybe in a coma <coughs> struggling and he is basically is on his death there this is life or death all right so let me jump down to the end of the story verse 9 When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, there's that word, even in Israel. All right, so there's a centurion, and what Jesus says about him, from whatever happens in the story, is like, wow, he's amazed. There's there's two things that have amazed um, Jesus in Scripture. One is this, the other, he was amazed at people's unbelief. Their doubt of who he was. And he's amazed. He's like, he's in wonder. He's like, wowed by this man's faith. He's like, I've looked all through Israel. He's been walking through Israel, Galilee and Jerusalem and, and all these places. And he's like, I haven't, I, I haven't seen that kind of faith anywhere except for right here. An outsider. Do, do you understand what I love about Scripture and about who Jesus is is that a lot a lot of the stories are about outsiders, about lepers who were supposed to live outside the camp, about in that day it was a very patriarchal, a very man-dominated side. How many times women are honored and, and healed and celebrated? How many times like an outsider, someone from a different country is like, like set up on a stage and say, here's someone that you need to, to emulate, to follow, and here we are, a centurion. So this, so this is what happens. Um, verse 3. The centurion heard of Jesus. Um, just like we've been walking through this series, I was talking about. You, they, he, had, they had a, he had a concept of who he is. He's heard some stories. He's heard, heard what Jesus could do. He, he's heard about his goodness, his love, his, his power. And he sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. So he, he, he gets some of the elders of the Jews. And just so you know, this centurion, although most of them were hated, he was not, he, he's, he had a different route, way of leading. And he led with, like, investing in the community. And so they liked him, actually. 
So they, when they came to Jesus, verse 4, they pleaded earnestly, they're like begging Jesus with, um, with this. They said, this man, listen to this phrase, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Just, just stop on that phrase. This man deserves. Do you know how many times we have probably thought that in our life? I, I deserve God to do this for me. I mean, the, I've been good. I can answer the right questions. I can, I, I've gone to church. I've, I, I deserve God to show up in this way in my life. God, you have to answer this because of who I am. I am a good person. That's, that's the Jewish argument. That's the leaders. They're like, listen, Jesus, he deserves you to do this. He, he deserves you to show up and, and do something powerful and amazing because he's good. You understand, the Jewish people were making faith about him when faith is really about him. Faith is not based on us. Does that mean? Faith, faith is not about our goodness or our, our attendance or our giving. Our faith is totally dependent on Jesus. N- listen to what happens next. So Jesus went with him. All right, Jesus, I think Jesus, he's going to work this story out. He knows what he's going to do. But I think his, his curiosity has peaked a little bit too. He was not far from the house when the centurion now sends another group. He sends some friends to say to him, <clears throat> now listen, listen to the centurion's view. So you get the Jewish view of how they view this guy. Listen to how he views himself. Lord, stop. All right? Lord, leader, master. Like, there's something. Uh, he's a centurion. Understand where this is coming from. This is coming from a centurion, a man of authority, a man who, who is called sir by his people that are underneath him, a man who's, who's, who's respected in the streets, a man who's, who's on a pedestal, a man who's, and he is humbling himself before this guy named Jesus, a Jewish guy from a place called Galilee. Lord, don't trouble yourself. Don't even bother with me. This is what he says. For I do not deserve to have you come underneath my roof. He sees Jesus, and he sees Jesus' authority, and he sees his goodness and his power. It's like, Jesus, I, I am nobody compared to you. I, I'm a, I am so not worthy to have you near me. I'm only a Roman person. I, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't, don't even bother. Then he goes on to say this. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. Now, again, I want you to understand he had the power to demand anyone to do anything at that time in that region. But he says, I, I don't even consider myself worthy to come to talk to you. And here, here's where, see where his faith is, is playing out. But say the word. You don't even have to come anymore. But just say the word. I know your word has power. Not just your touch. Not just some magical cantation that you do. You, you can do it however you want to do it. But I, I believe that your word can do this. And my servant will be healed. And this is how he, he views it. For I myself am a man under authority. He's like, I'm under authority and I have people underneath me. With soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. He says, I understand authority. And maybe you do too. You understand well, when you're, you're in charge of something, you, you can delegate. You can uh, ask people, that you're gonna, can you do this project? Can you do this? You understand? And he's like, I understand your authority. I, I humbly come and say, I know that you're in charge of this all. 
I, I know your power. I know your goodness. And you can do it however you want. This is where it gets. When he heard this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd, following him, said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. He had confidence. He had, the centurion had assurance. He, he trusted, he believed, he stepped and said, I believe that you can do what you say you can do. Let, let, let me just switch this a little bit. You know, I know um, last week uh, Mike Miller was talking about healings and that sort of thing. I don't, and, and those things, God can do those things and God does do those things. But what he's doing more, because all those people that Jesus ever healed, by the way, they're still, they died at some point. God's greater work has been and will always be restoring our souls. Does, does that make sense? Like God, God says, I, I came to, to fix the brokenness in people. I, I came to restore for people to have eternal life. I, I've come for people to experience wholeness in me. The healings are really only ways to get people there. And I believe that this, this is not so much really about the healing of the servant, because the servant is healed, but about Jesus showing his authority and showing what faith really is. Now, this is what I want, this is the main point this morning. That sometimes we think that, that faith is all about us, but this centurion's faith had impact in somebody else's life. Does that make sense this morning? That the, the, it's the it's centurion's faith that brought about a work in his servant's life. Let me, let me point it out this way. You're all here this morning, not so much because of your faith, even though you, you probably have faith this morning, but because someone else had faith that has started the process of Christ's change in your life. Someone has believed, has prayed a prayer for you. Someone has invited you. Someone has done a work. Someone has stepped out and had assurance in God that he wanted to do something in your life. And therefore, your life change has started by somebody else's faith. And I would probably say that all of us in this room, if our life has been transformed by Jesus, it was started by someone else's faith. That our faith has impact, not just on our eternities, but also on people all around us. The centurion didn't come in faith based on what he wanted for himself. He came because he wanted something else to happen in someone else's life. And what I want you to tell you is that your faith, your trust, your assurance in what God wants to do has incredible power to release God's work in somebody else's life. That your step, your step of using this card and inviting somebody, your step of, of even making cookies and delivering, your step of, of prayer for somebody, your step of doing anything for somebody else and saying, I want them to have the healing that God can provide in their soul. Your step of faith has impact in their life. Let me, one of my favorite stories, I was going to actually do this one for the message this morning, but I've done this message like three or four times because it's my favorite story well, one of them, I tell you all of them are my favorite, but this one is like the one that, that like hits me the most. And it, it's about these four guys who have a friend who's a paralytic. And so they all take four corners of the mat, and they, they're like, let's take this guy to Jesus, just like the centurion. Let's, let's get him to Jesus. 
And so they take up the four corners, and they start walking toward the house that Jesus is in, and they realize they can't get in. There's, like, people all around. They're, they're like, trying to sneak through, but it's very hard to have a mat for people through a huge um, crowd of people. And they're, like, they, they can't, they try every door, they try every window. They may have tried shouting. Everything they tried, they could not get Jesus' attention to get him to do what they were hoping he could do. And so one of them, I don't know which one, and I don't know, maybe a couple of them had this brilliant idea, crazy idea. Let's get on top of the roof and let's, let's, let's tear open the house to lower this guy down. Now think about that for a second. Let's do damage to a house. Let's, let's, let's bring our hammer and our shovels and our axes. Let's do a little deconstruction today to get this guy. Let's do whatever we can to get this guy to Jesus. Let's, like, who thinks that way? They did. And so they climb the roof with a paralytic. They, they like move off, like they cut a hole somehow in the roof and they lower, in the middle of a church service, all right? All of a sudden, they're, they're, there's like, du- you know how it is when dust falls and there's like, like stuff that hasn't been up, has been up there for a while is coming down. And everyone, Jesus is teaching on his little, uh, standing up teaching like this. And, and everyone's looking at this like hole development, hoping it doesn't fall on them. And these guys are looking down through the hole, and they're lo- they lower the guy down so he's like right in front of Jesus. And this is what Jesus says. Their faith has healed you. God responded to their faith in this guy's life. Because they were willing to do whatever it takes to, to bring someone before Jesus. Jesus is like, I want to do something powerful in that life. And I, I think that's where I want to start this morning. We'll start this series is, is, is encouraging you, challenging you to have confidence in who God is. Trust in him. Li- live your life in response to who he is. And do it in other people's lives. Like, like know that God wants to work in, in all sorts of people all around you. And then you Step. Maybe, maybe another way to say it, this is from Henry Blackaby, um, Experience God. Believe that God has already been working in someone's life well before you came along. See where he's working and step into it. See, see how your faith can have tremendous impact. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. And uh, I wanted to share with you um, his definition of faith because I think it's It's really a beautiful picture of what faith is. This is what, what he says faith is. And then he actually has a whole article. So if you look up, um, search Martin Luther King, definition of faith, there's a lot more beauty to this. I'm just giving you one, one phrase, one sentence. This is what Martin Luther King uh, Jr. says. Faith is living, bold trust in God's grace, so certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in it. Now, let me just, because there's so much there. It's, it's really beautiful when you, you hear this. Faith, this idea of faith, this idea that of the, if you strip it down, what God wants from you, wants from me, is living, uh, is a living, bold trust in God's grace, undeserved. So certain of God's favor, so, I'm trying to walk through slowly with this, so certain of, of God's goodness, so certain of his love, so confident that, that he's, he's working out his best in our life, so certain of it that it would risk death a thousand times, risk struggle a thousand times, risk 
difficulties a thousand times, trusting in it. You know, my, my prayer during this series is we, we can kind of walk through um, this idea of faith is that you change your definition from this hopeful, wishful thinking, maybe, maybe he'll do something, to this incredible life of response to who he is. Next week, because I, why I wanted to start with this message this week, this week is to encourage you with these cards, maybe God's asking you to invite someone next week. And if he doesn't, that's fine. It may, it may take a totally different look, your faith step, but we wanted to give you some cards that maybe your faith step this week to, uh, to release God's po- work in someone else's life is to invite someone with this card. Next week, what I really want to focus on, and I think this will, will impact all of us, is this idea of saving faith. How, how our trust in Jesus is what brings about God's work in our life so that we can have eternal life. So I, I really hope to share the good news of what Jesus has done for us next week as clearly as I can for your uh, friends, neighbors, and whoever God has, has challenged you to um, invite or invest in. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> this idea of faith, I pray that you clarify it during this series, um, that you help us to see <clears throat> how we can live confidently in your goodness and who you are, that we can respond to your grace, that it's not really anything that we can do or or answer, but it's only really a response to a great God. So God, help us to respond to you, help us to trust you, help us to live in relationship with you because you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.